What would it feel like to gain 76 pounds in just 26 weeks, all while documenting the entire process on national TV? Hey there, this is Clark. Welcome to the Palo Hacks podcast. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, that intro is about my next guest, Drew Manning, who was fit to fat to fit, where he did just that. He was fit, personal trainer, gained 76 pounds in 26 weeks um, to learn what it was like, or at least get a glimpse of what it was like to be that overweight. He was a personal trainer and, and couldn't relate to his clients. Why are they having such a hard time losing the weight? Um, and so he did the whole process and, and lost the weight too, all on national TV. I'll let him come on and tell him, uh, tell the story. It's really good. I enjoyed talking to him and it's a fun show. Some other topics we get into, how weight gain affects your self-image and self-esteem, how to get serious about losing weight once and for all, even if you've tried dozens of times before and just never seem to get results, why telling people about your weight goals can increase your likelihood of achieving them. And at the end of a call, I'll go over a little motivational speech for you. Uh, saved it for the end. Paleohacks.com is the place to be. We have our entire archives over there. So if you've missed an episode, I think we're over 100 now. You get 100 commutes or 100 treadmill runs or wherever you choose to listen to this. Really great shows from the archives. I'd recommend going back to the most recent one we did with Dr. Dan Kalish. That's a phenomenal show. If you go over to our blog... The post for these podcasts, you'll get the video version, transcripts, audio, timestamps, the whole package over there to follow along and jump around on these calls or go back if you missed something. So that's over there at paleohacks.com. Follow us on social media at paleohacks, that's P-A-L-E-O-H-A-C-K-S. We're on Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, the whole nine, at paleohacks. Same thing if you want to follow me. Uh, see some behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm at Clark Dangerous. That's Clark Danger O-U-S. And uh, we have some fun on Snapchat. Lots of motivational quotes. Um, YouTube behind-the-scenes stuff. That's all we got for announcements today. Um, oh, if you like it, please go over to iTunes. Leave a comment, rating, review, whatever they're called. That really does help the show out. And it boosts us up there. Keeps us going. Announcements are done. Are you ready for the show with Drew Manning? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what he's got to say. My next guest gained over 70 pounds in 26 weeks, then lost it all to have a better understanding of what it was like to be overweight. He documented this process in his New York Times bestselling book, Fit to Fat to Fit. Here with us today is the very fit version of <laughs> Drew Manning. How What's you doing, up, Drew? Mark? Good I'm to see good. You, How are you? Good, good, <laughs> good. Um, listen, I was, I don't know why this came to mind. It was just a story to start off with. I remember like 10 years ago, I was watching a Tyra Banks show. She had her own show and she was just crying over something. And I was like, what, okay, what is she crying about? And she was like, I put on a fat suit and I know what it's like to be fat. And it showed her walking around her street, her neighborhood for like three hours probably. And then she was just in tears because she finally understood what it was like to have all that weight on. Um, but on, on, on the other end here with me, Drew, I mean, you're no, you're no fat suit Tyra Banks. Like you actually did it when I was researching it. And, uh, it's pretty remarkable, man. 
Oh. Yeah, it's very different to put on a fat suit versus actually have the fat inside of you and understand a little bit what it's like. I mean, here's the thing. I don't pretend to know exactly what it's like. I mean, I did what I did for six months, but it definitely was humbling, gave me a different perspective because I felt, you know, I've, I've never felt that way before in my entire life. Yeah. And, and so it was very humbling. And, uh, but it's, it's, yeah, it's different than a fat suit. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so when someone comes up to Drew at like a, a cocktail party or something i'm sure you get this all the time and they they hear about what you did um and you kind of have like you give them a short answer because you don't want to get into all of it how do you summarize your journey or your process to people pretty much i say i'm the guy people like don't know my name they don't know drew manning but they're like oh yeah fit to fat fit i've heard of that but basically if people ask about it it's like basically i got fat on purpose and then i lost it Again, in six months, so I gained, I got fat on purpose in six months, documented the journey, lost it in six months, and wrote a book about what I learned. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I tell people. Yeah. And um, I know you had a goal going into it. So you, you how, how, describe the pre process of, of what were you going through to say, this sounds like a good idea to, <laughs> to gain all this weight? Sure. So basically, what was going on at my life at that point in time was I was a personal trainer part time. And I was uh, a full. I was working full time in the medical field, and um, all all of my clients were overweight. And my entire life, I grew up in a family of eleven brothers and sisters. We all played sports. We were all active, and so I always grew up in shape. And I never knew any differently than that. And so for me, being fit was something that came easy. Like my whole life, I just it was a part of me. So I couldn't understand why my clients who were overweight struggled when I told them, "Hey, you know, stop drinking soda, go to the gym." It's not that hard. How hard could it be? Just do it, right? Yeah. Um, and so there was a disconnect. I didn't understand where they were coming from, and they couldn't relate to me because they're like, Drew, you don't understand. You, for you, it's easy. For me, it's hard. You don't. You don't get it. Right. I'm like, you know what? Maybe you're right. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe there's something I need to learn as a personal trainer, which usually trainers are pretty, you know, self confident, pretty cocky sometimes. But I just felt like, you know what? This isn't working. I need to learn something. And started thinking of these ideas and for whatever reason <laughs> the idea of getting fat on purpose made sense in my mind and it just it felt like something I needed to do and I had to do. And so I, I just kind of ran with it. I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning. I just said, hey, I think I need to learn this lesson and maybe people will gravitate towards it because it's kind of crazy and sometimes it takes crazy to get people's attention yeah. to uh, to take some small steps in the right direction. So I just kind of ran with it and, and got very lucky, to be honest with you, with how much attention it got and how viral it went. I mean, I went on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Dr. Oz and wow. Good Morning America and The View and all these TV shows. And I'm like, I... I, I, I had no connections. I had no marketing strategy to make this thing go viral. I just kind of had an idea and felt passionate about it. Well, it's a compelling story. Um, and, and I think the, the thing that stood out to me throughout the journey, and we'll, we'll dive into it more, but the fact that you documented it live, losing the weight, because it'd be so much easier to do the journey and then, and then kind of write about it later. But actually doing it live, I mean, you're holding yourself accountable to every single person watching. Like, what happens if Drew doesn't actually lose the weight? Um, was, yeah. it, was there a time you thought you couldn't lose the weight getting thin? Yeah, no, that's actually that's a, a good point that you brought up there. I didn't really think about that, you know, doing it live like that and how much how powerful that was for people. Um, but, yeah, there was many points that I doubted myself because I've never been overweight and initially, my goal was to gain 50, maybe 60 pounds at the most, but I ended up gaining 76 pounds. 
So I overachiever. Yeah, I overachieved, man. AKA ate a lot of uh, too much cinnamon toast crunch and Mountain Dew. So, <laughs> anyways, um, I, I had my doubts for sure because I've never been overweight, and this was an experiment that I was putting out there live on on YouTube for people to follow along, and it could have gone very wrong. I could have, you know, been stuck. You know, I could have not lost the weight and uh, had some serious health issues happen, yeah. um, and it could have gone very wrong for me, but. I didn't think about that until now. Yeah, there's a lot that could have gone wrong. But putting it out there live also made me accountable because there was moments where I wanted to give in. I wanted to quit. But knowing that people were following me, that would just helps me push past all that like to, to finish this journey because I knew that people were counting on me because they were doing it with me. There were thousands of people you know, seeing my meal plans because I documented that, seeing my workouts, and they were doing the exact same thing I was doing because I was doing it along with them, which I think was pretty powerful for some people to see. Let's talk about getting fat. How'd you get fat and, and <laughs> overachieve? Yeah, so like I mentioned, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Mountain Dew, those were a couple of my favorite foods. But here's the thing. I stopped exercising. That was one of the rules. I couldn't exercise. I actually stopped training at the same time just because Oh. It sounds stupid, but I didn't want to be tempted by being in a gym and not being able to work out. So I stopped training completely, stayed away from gyms, and then I ate whatever I wanted to. But here's the thing. We've all seen Super Size Me. You know, we know how unhealthy fast food is. What I wanted to focus on during my journey was everyday typical American foods that we all grew up on here in the United States that are so common that we sometimes we think, Oh, this isn't that unhealthy for me. So things like white bread, white pasta, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, hmm. you know, macaroni and cheese, top ramen, uh, spaghettios, hot pockets, lean cuisines, all these processed foods that are, you know, they're very convenient. They taste good, in my opinion. I love, I love the taste of them, yeah. and um, and very affordable, right? This is cheap food that um, your middle America just consumes every single day, and we're like, oh well, this has vitamins in it, or it's low fat, or gluten-free, you know, it's, it's not that unhealthy for me, but that's what I ate, you know, every single day for six months, pretty much. And, uh, it ended up gaining 75 pounds in six months, even though I was on a low fat diet. If you think about all those foods I just mentioned, yeah. it's all low fat foods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I know supersize me, everyone's seen that, like you said, he was under medical supervision. Did you have any doctors you were working with or you're just flying by the seat of your pants, just kind of winging it? <laughs> You know what? At first, I didn't have any connections, but luckily, yeah. within the first month or so, I had a connection because I was working in the medical field, and I finally got a hold of a doctor that was willing to kind of, you know, put forth some of the risk of like doing all my blood work and being on camera documenting my blood work. So luckily, I did, and then I had, you know, went on the Doctor Oz shows. Was you know that was really telling as far as what was going on from a medical perspective. So yes. Luckily, I did have medical supervision during the journey. Yeah, uh, and luckily, nothing too serious happened, but it did get pretty bad, toward, especially towards the end. How so? With uh, like your blood markers? Yeah. So, so my blood pressure was probably the worst. It was one sixty-seven over one thirteen, and they wanted to put me on blood pressure medications. I mean, the doctor was like, "Look, I wouldn't let my patients leave this hospital with that kind of blood pressure without some kind of you know medication to yeah. lower your blood pressure." So. But I kind of said, look, I don't want to, you know, I, I want people to see what changing your lifestyle can do because I know that these drugs will help for sure. But there's other options for people out there too. Right. And I'll, I want to show people how to do it the right way. So I didn't take any medications to help out with that. And then, yeah, like my testosterone, that was another thing that got affected really bad. It was in the low 200s at my heaviest. 
but yeah, my, my triglycerides, my glucose, my HDL, LDL, all those were in the red. I mean, yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, yeah, they were all pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. So describe the first month. What was, (laughs) I'm sure that's way different. Stopping exercise. You're coming from this ripped trainer who's normally Mm -hmm. given the advice. Um, what's that first month like where you're eating the Mac and cheese and cinnamon toast crunch and not exercising? I'll be honest, uh, it was fun. Like the first month was fun. Like it really was. A lot of people are like, are you sure? Like, you know, you're this personal trainer. You love being in shape. It was fun from the perspective of this. Even though it was a false sense of freedom, it felt like freedom at first to eat whatever I wanted to, not have to go to the gym and just go based off of like, you know, my human cravings for this type, for these types of foods. I'm like, man, I could eat whatever I want to. Um, and it was, yeah, there was this sense of, uh, freedom in the beginning, even though I knew it's a false sense of freedom, right? We all know that, but, um, yeah, but the, uh, but there was some difficulties and I will say this is being obsessed with working out and the way my body looked before to not being able to work out all of a sudden my mentality changed when I was in public, even though people couldn't tell I was overweight the first 20 pounds, I'm like, man, I'm so fat. Like I, yeah. you know, I can feel it. And people are like, you look normal. Like you look like a normal average, even you're still in good shape. But to me, I'm like, no, you know, like I'm not used to this. Like this feels gross. So there was that aspect of it, but the first month was fun or the first month. And then very quickly it, it turned not so much fun at that point. And then by the end I was so sick of it. I was ready to, yeah. to, um, feel healthy again. Yeah. I heard you say another, uh, one of those ABC appearances that it was the confidence and the mental aspect of it that was the hardest part about gaining weight. Yeah, that was the, that was the biggest surprise of this whole journey. I knew I was going to get the man boobs and the big gut. I knew the physical changes were going to happen. I wasn't prepared for how this was going to affect me mentally and emotionally. So like, yeah, going out in public, I remember one time I was in a grocery store and there were these three, you know, kind of hot moms behind me. And I was, <laughs> you know, had my shopping cart full of like, cinnamon toast crunch and all this soda like you know these candy bars and anyways i i remember like you know they would look at my stomach look at the food i was checking out and i just wanted to say something i'm like hey this isn't like this is not what i look like like you know don't judge me (laughs) i wanted to say something so bad but i just kind of i'm like you know what I, i just need to keep my mouth shut because this is kind of what it's like for some of my clients and what they have to go through every day they feel judged whether people are judging them or not yeah. You, you never know, but you feel judged. And even though, like I said in the beginning, I don't pretend to know exactly what it's like. At least I can say I kind of got a small window of how hard it is. Uh, not exactly, but a little bit. And it just opened up my eyes to how much transformation is mental and emotional for people rather than just physical. Right. Um, so when you're going through the the gaining process, what kind of shocked you about that? Do you have anything that sticks out? That like from a physical you, standpoint, or, or or just like that you didn't expect going through it. Was there something unexpected? Yeah, like for example, I'll, I'll kind of give two things here. One was from a physical standpoint. I had no idea I would have to hold my breath as I clip my toenails. Like I've never experienced that before, where you had so much visceral fat impeding you from breathing normally. Like that was one thing. I'm like, how am I supposed to clip my toenails without having to come up for breath? Like it was just a new experience, and people yeah. laugh at me all the time about that. But then from the emotional standpoint was the self-esteem. Like I had no idea I would lose my confidence because – and I've, I've reflected on this now that it's past. When you grew up in shape your entire life, you kind of associate who you are with what your body looks like. right? You've, if you've always had a six-pack, you've always been in shape, that becomes a part of your identity. And when you lose that, 
you kind of lose, you know, who you are. You're not sure who you are. You, and so I freaked out. And that part for me was really hard. I didn't want to go out in public with my wife because I felt like, you know, they would judge me. They would judge her. Like, why is she that pretty blonde with this, you know, fat, overweight guy? Like, oh, poor girl, you know? Yeah. I, at least that was the story I had in my head. And, um, yeah, I just sexually, like, the confidence was not there. There's nothing sexier than confidence. Um, and I just lost it because I had that I, – I, I identified myself with what my body looked like. And once that was gone, I freaked out because I didn't have that anymore. So yeah, yeah, I heard your wife say when she was getting interviewed that you turned into a woman. Or uh, <laughs> you, you said, do these make me look fat? Or what was it? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. She she made fun of me because she's like, "You sound like a woman." Like yeah. because I would be like, I would complain. I'm like, "Man, I just I feel fat. Does this make me look fat?" And sometimes she would be on my side, but sometimes she was just sick of it. And if you read my book, Chapter Four, it's a chapter from her perspective. You'll see just how blunt and honest she is. She's like, "Well, you are fat. You're doing this on purpose to yourself. Like, you know, suck it up." You know, uh, it was she had kind of a tough love mentality, which made it funny. But at the time. You know, it, it, we argued a lot actually during those six months. Yeah. Okay. So flashback, Drew. He's seventy pounds overweight. He's six months in. He's ready to turn this bad boy around. This is the moment he's been waiting for. Um, did you have a plan going into it, or how? What was your approach to losing the weight, getting fit? Yeah. So here's the thing. I did have a plan, and my approach was actually to skip exercise for the first thirty days. I wanted to show people the power of nutrition. And how just how important that role is when it comes to transformation and losing weight. So I skipped exercise completely, and I did do it cold turkey, right? I, I remember my last meal was a whole box of macaroni and cheese and a two liter soda of Mountain Dew. Um, that was my last meal, and then the next day was you know I was on track with eating healthy. And wow. I, and I tell people all the time, and this is one of the biggest lessons I learned was those first two weeks of eating healthy sucked. Even though mentally I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's lose this weight. I was so miserable those first two weeks. I'd never experienced withdrawals like that before. Uh, and it, From sugar like, or what? What do you think from it was sugar, from? Yeah, from sugar, the processed foods that I was eating. Going from that, like 5,000 calories of those types of foods to – I was eating 2,000 calories still, so I wasn't starving myself. But 2,000 calories of real whole food, your body – fights back and wants those, you know, drugs, if you will. Um, and it'll, it'll fight you, you know, just like any other drug, it, it wants that high again and it wasn't getting it. And so those first two weeks sucked really bad, but here's the lesson I learned. My clients used to tell me all the time, like, it's just so hard for me to give up soda. Like I'm trying and I'm like, it's not that hard. Just don't drink it. Just don't buy it. Don't eat it until I went through this and learned just how emotional the connection to food really is. It clicked my mind like, Oh my gosh, I finally, experience a little bit of what my clients go through when I try and get them on one of the meal plans that I give them, for example. And your body fights back and it's really, really difficult. And I remember being miserable those first two weeks. I was grumpy. I had headaches. I was moody. Um, and I just, I felt awful. I'm like, why do I feel awful? I'm a personal trainer. I, and I was trying to be real with people and I, I, I just, I didn't sugarcoat it, but I just said, Hey, look, you know, even though I'm a personal trainer and like, I love, I'm a big proponent of eating healthy. This sucks. And I get it why people sometimes fall off the wagon when they try and eat healthy is because their body's so used to these highly processed foods that are so convenient and so common in today's society that when you try and get off of them, it's not easy. And it's not as easy as just saying don't eat it, right? It's it's a it's an emotional, strong emotional connection that I, right. I didn't give credit to before. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, 
all those people who get on the news and they say sugar's just as addictive as cocaine and yeah. you actually go through withdrawals and they call uh, I think the other white drug is what uh, yes. <laughs> I heard people call sugar. Um, so it's really powerful. Okay. And then, so you're like a month in and you start adding exercise back in, but your, your diet plan was pretty much to eat, eat clean and no processed foods or what was your diet plan like? Yeah. So basically in a nutshell, what it looked like was, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of veggies, some fruit, uh, no dairy. Cause I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. So I didn't do any dairy. The first 30 days I didn't do any grains. So the first 30 days were, first 30 days were no grains, no sugar, no dairy. So it's just a lot of, uh, you know, high quality proteins. Um, some, some, you know, some fats from things like peanut butter or olive oil. Uh, back then I really wasn't doing a high fat diet. Um, it was more of like a moderate approach, but yeah, very still low carb, right? Especially those first 30 days. And then I kind of transitioned. I started adding in some grains. Um, I did things like beef jerky, which are a little bit, you know, processed and they do have some added sugar. Uh, but you know, that was five and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the nutrition plan I followed was, you know, um, a low carb, high veggie, uh, high protein type of diet. Yeah. So people, uh, who you work with now, or they come up to you and they ask you about losing the weight, I'm sure they, a lot of them jump straight to the exercise. Like what was the workout plan you were doing? What was the workout plan? And, uh, so kind of the exercise versus diet, uh, debate that goes on in the health space. Would you have any new insights going through losing all the weight? Like it really is diet or it really is exercise or both. Like what's your stance on that whole argument? Yeah, well, I've always been a proponent of more so on the side of nutrition. I mean, unless you're training for like a, something specific, like a bodybuilding show or a marathon, the exercise component needs to need you know is is very is more important than your average person that's just trying to lose some weight over time. I feel like nutrition is is the number one thing, and that's kind of why I skipped exercise the first thirty days to show people the power of nutrition. So in those first thirty days without exercise, I lost nineteen pounds. All my blood work went back to normal levels. My testosterone more than doubled in that first month without any exercise at all. And then I transitioned into, you know, small, simple exercises, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes a day for the for five days a week. And then Saturday, Sunday, I took off. And that's all I did. People hmm. thought I was going to be this personal trainer that lived in the gym, that worked out two, three times a day right. to get the weight off as quick as possible. But I'm like, no, here's my workouts. It's five. It's Monday through Friday about 20 to 30 minutes of exercise. Um, and that's all I do. The other part is, is nutrition. And that's kind of where I show people, if you really, if you really want to see results, the most important thing is nutrition. It's the hardest thing, but it's the most important thing. And if you stay consistent, you're going to see results over time. Um, so yeah, I, I feel, I feel like there, there has to be a balance, but definitely nutrition is the most important thing. But like I said, it's the hardest thing for people to stay consistent with. Yeah. It seems like exercise is great to maintain and yep. uh, it's not the number one thing to do to lose weight. And if that's your goal, it sounds like you have to focus on that a lot. Like controlling the input is harder than sometimes controlling the output because you just want to go, yeah. go, 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 run on a treadmill for eight hours. And then you have to make that up somehow. And so you get cravings and you eat more sugar and all that. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think for the most part, most people struggle uh, they don't struggle with the exercise part. They could work out. They can get a workout in. They could do Zumba. They could do P90X. They could do Insanity. They could go to the gym and lift. That's not, I think, the biggest thing people struggle with. I think it, it really is the nutrition because our society and our culture is, is set up to um, 
make it more difficult with the amount of fast food, the amount of birthday parties, holidays, and people bring in, uh, you know, you know, treats to work. And like, it's just, it's in your face all the time. So it's harder. So going through the, the fit to fat to fit when people come up to you and they say, you know, diet, I'm still struggling with it. I'm, I'm overweight. I'm 70 pounds overweight. You got any advice? What advice do you give them? First of all, I, I agree with them. I'm like, I've been, I've been there. I know how hard the struggle is and expect yourself to continue to struggle with, with it the rest of your life. I do. We all do. Unless you go live in a cave somewhere, you're not, you're going to struggle with it the rest of your life, hmm. you know? But when it comes to nutrition, um, or just, just a lifestyle change in general, the biggest thing I give, I give people tips on is staying accountable to somebody and finding a support system. I could give you the best meal plans in the world. I could give you the best trainer in, in the world, the best workout program in the world. None of that matters. If, if you don't know how to overcome your own mental and emotional challenges, that's how you make it a lifestyle change is knowing how to overcome your mental and emotional challenges. And that takes time. Yeah. It's not like instantaneously you're going to uh, uh, overcome those mental and emotional challenges. It comes with consistent lifestyle changes, being educated. Uh, but like I said, the physical part, people know they need to eat healthier and exercise. That's not what people struggle with. It's what do I do when I'm by myself and there's there's cinnamon toast crunch in front of me? What do I do when I'm at a party and everyone's drinking and eating nachos and, and I'm starving because all I had was a salad today? What do I do in those situations where I have a goal to meet but I have this delicious food in front of me? It's it's the mental and emotional component is the the hardest thing, but that's the biggest lesson I learned from all this and that's what I focus on now. Yeah, no one's smoking because they missed the memo on lung cancer <laughs> exactly what these things cause cancer oh all right all right dude convince me i'm done exactly. yeah there's, there's deeper laying uh things there i think deciding in advance is a big one that's helped me over the last month or two um trying to go more low carb and stick at it and so when for instance you know we're going out for drinks last night my girlfriend and two other people well deciding in advance that i'm not going to order anything uh, besides like seltzer water and lime, it makes yeah. the whole night so much easier. Just that one little tip before, like when you're driving in your car, just saying, this is what I'm going to have. This is the game plan. It sounds so minute and simple and people don't want to like get that granular about it, but it really makes a big difference. Yeah. No. And that's one thing I preach too, is if you're going to have something, you know, that's off the, your schedule, a cheat meal, whatever you want to call it is I tell people to schedule it in advance, like know when it's going to happen. So you know, so you're prepared for it until then, like you said, you know, you just tell yourself, I'm not going to have this, but I get to have this on Saturday night or from our birthday or it's coming up. You have something to look forward to. But in the meantime, you stay on track with your goals. That's yeah. that's really powerful. I'm curious. Um, did you get any haters when you were doing this or do you get any haters who are kind of like mad that you got fat on purpose and they say you don't really know what it's like or have you gotten any weird responses from people? Yeah, I would say there was like less than 5% negative. 95% was positive. That's and good. I get that even with the TV show too. There's there's always going to be haters no matter who you are, right? But, you know, at first I was annoyed, bugged because I never had this type of attention. But was, what was cool was to see the people that really knew me and knew why I was doing this journey defend me and have my back. And they were people who were overweight who – were like motivated and inspired by what I was doing and they would say no you don't understand this is why Drew's doing it he's not doing it to rub it in people's faces once people knew the why behind it yeah it made more sense to them and once they got to know me and saw my blogs and my my or read my blogs and saw my videos on YouTube they could get a they could get a sense of where my heart was at but it, yeah just if you just see a picture like oh this guy's trying to gain weight to rub it in my face 
I could see why people would take it in a negative way. But yeah, for the most part, it was positive. Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah. So I know you brought up your TV show. I know you're now teaching other people how to get fat <laughs> and then fit. Um, it was it was on AME, correct? Yeah, AME. Yeah, and so you describe it for the people listening right now. Yeah, so they can actually go check it out. Season one just happened um, at the beginning of this past year, or this the beginning of 2016. There was ten trainers from across the country, and the TV show is called Fit to Fat to Fit, just like my brand. So it was on A&E. Uh, basically, 10 trainers have to do what I did. They have to get fat for four months, let go of their healthy lifestyle. And then at the end of four months, they get teamed up with an obese client. And together as a team, they have to lose the weight together. But now they're a fat trainer. And now wow. they have to kind of see what it's like from their client's perspective. Interesting. Wow. Yes. So it's an eight-month journey that that is documented on this reality TV show. There's two trainers in L.A., two in Utah, two in New York, two in Atlanta, and two in Florida. And you can go check them out on iTunes or Hulu or Roku or uh, you know dot com. Yeah, do they get pretty good results? Similar results? Oh, you mean as far as them losing weight? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So they only had four months to gain the weight, so they didn't gain as much as I did, but. Um, they uh, they gained quite a bit of weight, and they were all humbled by the end of it. I tried to tell them. I was like their mentor or coach throughout the season, kind of letting them know how it is and what to expect. And I think going into it, they're like, oh, it's not going to be that hard. But they were all very humbled and had some very valuable lessons learned. Um, and it was cool that they got to do it with their client. So they lost the weight together. You could see how mo- much more motivated their clients were, seeing that their trainer had sacrificed so much um, to, to do this weight loss journey with them. Yeah. It was really powerful. It really got into the mental and emotional side of it too. And it was really powerful. So it did really good for, yeah. for season. So, um, to, to wrap up on the whole fit to fat, to, to fit thing, if someone at home who's 70 pounds, um, we've went over a lot of them, but if you could give them an index card, assuming they would follow everything on it and it had five or six big key points, mm-hmm. what were, what what would be on that card that they did to lose the weight? The first thing I would tell them or put on the next card is is to remind them that they are worth it to be healthy. Like their their self worth needs to be there. They need to know that they're worthy to to live a healthy life. Not so much get skinny or get a six pack. That's not the goal. Yeah. Get rid of that. Get rid of that mindset. The goal is to be healthy and and they're worth it. They they are worthy of living a healthy lifestyle. That'd be the the very first thing. And then on top of that, I would remind them that. There is no finish line. This is a journey. It's not a destination. This is a never-ending process that has to become a part of your lifestyle. The way you make it a part of your lifestyle is to focus more on the mental and emotional side, like those those situations that we talked about where you know uh, the mental and emotional struggles that people have with food, their emotional connection to food. That should be the main focus first, and then they can focus on the physical things, counting calories, counting macros, food journaling, meal prepping, those are important as well, but the the focus should be their mental and emotional challenges and 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 trying to overcome those first and foremost because you could give anybody a diet plan and they'll do it for a little bit, but they get burnt out, right? Sure. So um, I think I don't know if that's five or six things or you know, twenty things that I just said right there. <laughs> All important stuff, absolutely. I mean, the mental yeah. emotional aspect is huge. Again, that's kind of like the theme of it. Um, Okay, so we got a couple closing questions, Drew. Sure. Um, you're starting out in your 20s or 30s. What advice do you give Drew? <laughs> That's a good question, man. Um, 
honestly, like this is going to get kind of deep, but basically I would tell myself to love you for who you are and not uh, change for other people. That was one thing I struggled with actually up until the past year or so, 30, so I'm 35, the first 34 years of my life, I would tell my 20 year, year old my 20 year old self or my 34 year old self this too, don't change for other people and that it's, it's okay to mess up in life and that things do get better over time. Um, and, uh, to learn how to live in the moment and, uh, not focus on the past or worry about the future so much. Yeah. These yeah. are all lessons that came to me this past year. Mm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Probably on the Island. Yes. Being in Hawaii was very healing um, you know, I went through a, a big life change just recently. And so being in Hawaii was helped a lot with that transition. Yeah. Uh, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned this past year? Um, that would have to be, uh, that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. And that kind of leads into what I was telling myself before was that, you know, I struggled thinking vulnerability was a weakness and I didn't want to let people know the truth about me. Um, so not to get too deep, but like, you know, I've announced it on my social media, but I, I went through a divorce, you know, um, just recently, well, not just recently, about a year ago. Yeah. And I wish I learned these lessons earlier in life, but I was so afraid to tell people, you know, uh, that I, I quote unquote failed. I thought I was a failure and I didn't, I wanted to hide it from people, but honestly, I'm so much happier being vulnerable, talking about what is. Yeah. And and not not worrying about trying to change it or what other people are going to think about it, that's consumed me my entire life, and it's so freeing stepping out of that. So, just a couple of books that have helped me are Brene Brown's books, uh, Daring Greatly, um, Rising Strong, have just you know, just blown my mind, and I feel like I'm a new person. I wish I would have learned these things a long time ago, but hey, better late than never. And so, anyways, the number one thing I've learned the past year is that being vulnerable is actually a strength, even for men. Yeah. Our society doesn't, you know, set us up as as showing that, but it's true. It's powerful, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, I I read Radical Honesty, and that was a Brad Blanton book. It's kind of like a. It's written in a blue collar tone. Uh, okay. But it's all about removing the mask, and that when you reveal more, you have less to hide, and that being found out feeling that someone's going to find you out for your true self or who you are when that's taken away. Now you just exist and you kind of go about your day. And um, yes. it was just a really cool, no nonsense book, Radical Honesty. Uh, okay. It all, Check that I out. actually read it when I was in Hawaii. Um, oh, really? The big okay. Island. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It's like a very healing place for a lot of us then. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, thanks on, uh, on that. So, Desert Island book then, is it going to be Brene Brown's? Or what would you, know you what? say? I- don't know if it was a book. I mean, that's the thing is my, my, the most important books in my life change over time. Like years ago, it wouldn't have been that, but now that's probably like what I would bring if you ask me now, but you know, I, I'm always trying to learn and upgrade my knowledge. And so it might be something different in the near future, but that's what's touched me the most at this point in time. Um, uh, but I, yeah. So, but if you ask me like six months from now, it might be something else. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Drew, this was a fun one. Um, where's the best place for people to find you? Where do you want to send them? Yeah, so my website, fit fit.com they can find pretty much everything they want about me on there. All my social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, are all at fit to fat to fit which is the number two. The TV show is also fit to fat to fit but with T-O, the, the letters. So that's the only difference uh, between my, my brand and the website. You know, you can yeah. check out my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's called fit to fat to fit with the number two. 
and just Google me. You'll, you'll be able to find me. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and you have, a, you have a podcast, correct? Yes, I do have a podcast as well called the Fit to Fat to Fit Experience Podcast. I do a weekly episode, interview, mostly in interview format, um, interviewing all types of people. I've had Sean T., Chris and Heidi Powell on, uh, Cassie Ho from Blogilates, a lot, a lot of really cool people, but also bring on some scientists and nutritionists. But then also you, people that have just made radical transformations in their life that want to share their story. So yeah. it's a it's a good mix of uh, of uh, content. What's the best episode to start on? Do you have a, a must hit hit single from the Fit to Fat to Fit podcast? The most popular ones are Chris and Heidi Powell from yeah. Extreme Weight Loss. And then actually just recently was this one with Dr. Dom Diagostino talking about the ketogenic diet and the science behind it. That's That was like the most popular one. Uh, if you want to learn more about the ketogenic diet, which by the way, you know, by the time this airs, the Dr. Oz segment will have aired on May 18th. But I go on the Dr. Oz show talking about the ketogenic diet, which is uh, I've become a huge fan of just recently. So keto, no, ketogenic diets are something I'm definitely looking into. Um They've been getting a lot of press lately. You know, someone writes an article on keto and it's like the new gluten. Well, it's because there's scientific studies backing up some of these claims now for endurance athletes, strength athletes, and it was so misunderstood back in the day. And now the science is becoming more mainstream, right? You got Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan talking about the ketogenic diet and these exogenous ketone supplements that you can take. It's just, it's just remarkable. And the Dr. Dom Diagostino out of South Florida, University of South Florida, is actually conducting these. These studies that are being published, and he's funded by the Department of Defense, so it's it's legit stuff. Huh. So it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. All right, Drew, thanks for coming on, man. This was a really fun call, dude. Yeah, thanks, Clark. Stay in touch, man. Yeah, you too. Okay, take care. Seventy-six pounds down. That is Drew Manning, the fit version of the fit to fat to fit guy. Um, he's also working on new stuff. I'm I'm. Going to check out that television show. I think he said it was on AME. I was just hanging out with my friend, um, and she was going through kind of a weight loss transformation. And since this show is all about um, improving yourself, sticking to things, and if weight loss is your goal, this is a good show to to put this little public service announcement on. It was just really inspiring. She was doing a nine-week transformation, um, went from not working out. She wasn't overweight but she wanted to lose, I think, 20 pounds. And she did, over nine weeks. She was showing me her before and after photos, and it looks like the ones you see online where there's a big, bigger person, bigger version of her on the left and a much skinnier present version on the right. And I was talking to her about this and how she did it, and oddly enough, she told me the hardest part was for the first five weeks, she was doing everything. She was eating right, She was exercising five times a week on these really high-intensity interval kind of exercises with plyometrics and body weights and all that, and she didn't see any results. She kept doing it for five weeks over and over and over again, but on that sixth, seventh, and eighth week, she saw results, but she said the ninth week is where it all started to click and everything kind of fell into place. It was happening all along. But it was just that ninth week that it, she really saw the difference. To illustrate this one step further with anything in life, you know, and consistency and putting in work and God being so frustrated sometimes when things don't, you don't see the results right away. My favorite story of all time is of the Chinese bamboo tree. So you take your Chinese bamboo tree seed, plant it in your backyard. You water the thing, 
give it sunlight, uh, take care of it, give it fresh soil, air, all that. And you come back one year later. Guess how tall your tree is? Two inches. That's it. In one year of doing this, it only grew two inches. All right. So you say, you know what? I'll just do it a little more. I'll stick with it. I'm patient. I'm going to make this thing grow. And so you do that whole thing for years two, three, and four. You know how big the Chinese bamboo tree is on the fourth year? Four inches. All right. At this stage, it would be very real to quit, give up, and say the seed's kind of a dud. That's what I would do, right? Four years of doing this, four inches, it's not a great return on investment. It's not a great payoff. But that's a big mistake because on the fifth year, in just two weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree grows from four inches to 40 feet tall. This is a true story. You can see it over there in China. So the million-dollar question of that story and why I love it so much, and, and it really inspires me, and I keep a bamboo tree right here on my desk when I'm podcasting, I look at it, is because did that bamboo tree grow 40 feet in two weeks, or did it grow 40 feet in five years? And when you really pause and think about it, you realize that it's the lotter. It grew 40 feet in five years because if for any one of those years of the four that it was slacking on growth, we just gave up, walked away, and neglected the plant, we wouldn't have gotten that two-year, 40-feet growth spurt in year number five. So I think for us, with anything in life, guys, um, but especially for health, wellness, weight loss, exercise, whatever, treat that as your bamboo tree. Treat that as the crop that you go in. You maybe don't see the results for the first four years, but on that fifth one, as long as you're learning, trying things, being as honest as you can, you're providing the air, soil, water for an optimal environment for growth. That's all you do. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You can hire a trainer. You can try and do everything right. You can follow through. But sometimes it just takes that extra level of consistency of doing that and showing up over and over and over again. And so I guess the moral of this, tying it in with the whole podcast we just heard with Drew, tying in with that story about my friend who didn't see any results until the last uh, couple weeks, tying it in with the bamboo tree, is just to keep at it. I know it can be somewhat frustrating with weight loss. Um, It's a very personal, emotional struggle, as we heard with Drew. But you got to keep at it. And we don't know when that two-week growth spurt's going to come. And all we can do is be consistent, is show up, put in the work, and water our bamboo tree. All right. uh, Off the soapbox. I hope that was an inspiring story. I know it always gives me a lot of um, strength and a lot of encouragement to keep going. If you want some more old man stories like that, I put together a course with about two or three hours of them um, that teaches you how to go deeper into yourself, how to journal, the ultimate guide to keeping a journal. And you can find out more about that either one of two ways. You can email me, Clark, at ClarkDanger.com, or you can sign up at MyBestJournal.com. That is MyBestJournal.com. I'm happy to share more info with that course. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. PayTheirHacks.com. Get on the newsletter, blog, recipes, articles, and archives of all our previous shows. Next week on the podcast, um, I do not know who's coming on. So exciting. We haven't recorded that yet. It'll surprise us both, and we'll be back here on next Thursday. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you then.